So as OJ mentioned, we are continuing this morning while we're wrapping up our Advent series before Christmas Eve, uh, and today we're looking from the perspective of Luke. A couple weeks ago, Jeff was here and he talked about how Mary said yes to a very challenging blessing. And, and the more that I've studied this passage, the more impressed I continually am with this girl who had like none of the resources available to me or to us, none of the um, potential for self-sufficiency. And yet she willingly embraces this call, which will expose her to tremendous personal risk and uncertainty. I, I don't feel like I have that level uh, of peace with God, of, of peace with whatever he deems best for my life, but I want it. This week, in fact, I got a call um, from my daughter's kindergarten teacher, and, and generally she's a really good kid. Um, they have this rating system in her class. It's like a rainbow chart, and everyone get a, gets a clothespin, and you stick it on, everyone starts the day on green, and then if you're good, you can move up to blue and purple. If you're bad, you can move down to yellow, orange, and red. Uh, and the whole year she's gotten greens and blues like the, the whole time. And so her teacher called me this week because she'd gotten her first red. I mean, not even her first like yellow or orange. She just blew right by those colors, you know, just vib, g, your. Yeah, this word you bib backwards. Anyway, so her teacher called me to talk about what had happened. And, and what happened is that she shoved a little boy that she was playing with. Uh, and the teacher asked her why she did it. And she said, well, it's because I had sprinkles in my brain. And the teacher was like, well, we're gonna have to learn more about that. Um, so she continued to ask her questions until it came out when Ember, Ember said, when I have sprinkles in my brain, that means I'm feeling silly. And when I'm feeling silly, then I have a hard time controlling my body. So the teacher, you know, caught, <laughs> we've all been there. Um, so teacher called me to talk about it and, you know, she told me about the incident. She also told me a couple other things that were happening in class. She said, you know, Ember, um, she, she speaks out a lot, which of course we knew we're working on it. She's an only child. She has no competition at home. Um, so she has a lot to say about a lot. Um, and then also she said, you know, when I'm teaching, she's, she, sometimes she'll zone out into her own little world, like whatever's happening in her head is just so much more exciting than what's happening uh, in the class that she just has a hard time clicking back into reality. So I asked her, you know, have you experienced this before with kids and what has helped? And she said, not really. Uh, no, <laughs> I haven't met a lot of kids like Ember. Uh, probably my friend's daughter is the closest, um, and they took her to some counseling sessions when she was four, and now she's seven. She's doing great. Just kind of helped to build her skill set around self-control. So we got off the phone, and I texted my husband, Rob. Uh, Ember's teacher says she needs therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls me. He's like, what? And I tell him the whole story, and, you know, He's like, well, did, did she say anything else? And I said, well, yeah. I mean, she said a bunch of nice stuff about Ember. It was like a compliment sandwich trick. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, well, what did she say? And I said, well, she said, I just want you to know there's nothing wrong with Ember. She's so smart. You know, she's the only kid with 100% English language art. She turns all her work in first. It's always right. She's kind. She has the most vivid imagination that I've ever seen on a kid in all of my years of teaching kindergarten. I love the way her brain works, and I hope to have a kid just like her. And Rob said, so let me get this straight. What you took from all of that <laughs> was that our kid needs therapy. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> and to, to be clear, we are a pro-therapy family, uh, and we're going to take her anyway, because I think it'll be fun. Um, but the point of this story is that I worry uh, a lot. Um, I, I worry a lot, and sometimes it skews my perspective on reality. Um, I worry a lot. I worry about things that I cannot control. When I get new information, I tend to always approach it from like the worst case scenario perspective. Uh, always, that's just my, I think fear might actually be my love language if that's a possibility. <laughs> um, so, so I've wasted hours, I've wasted hours and hours of my life worrying about the future. 
you know, hours that I could have spent doing things that I enjoy, reading books that aren't for sermon prep, you know, going on dates with my husband, blowing raspberries on my daughter's belly. I, I can't get any of those hours back, but I want them. I'm not good at embracing uncertainty with courage, but I want to be. I mean, I hate uncertainty, and I live with an autoimmune condition, which means sometimes I'll get new symptoms, and because I hate uncertainty, what do I do? I Google them. Yeah, I do. Always a mistake. Never Google your symptoms, because you're typing to Google something real simple, like my foot is twitching, and Google's always like, well, we're going to have to take the leg, you know? <laughs> it's just never a good idea. Don't Google. Just once. I want to get new information, and I want to extrapolate it out to all the best-case scenarios, you know, instead of the worst ones. Because it's not just about saying yes to God. We saw Mary say yes to God, but it's not just about saying yes to God. It's about saying yes well. And so I, at least, have a lot to learn from Mary's response to God as he gives her this new and unexpected news. And, and I'm hoping maybe this will be helpful for some of you, too. So our reading this morning was from Luke. You'll remember Luke's gospel is the singing gospel. We hear Zechariah's song, the Benedictus. He says, and you, my child, will be called prophet of the most high, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation. We hear Simeon's song, the Nunc Dimittis. Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And of course, we hear Mary's song, the Magnificat, which was just read to you a few moments ago, and that will be our text for today. So to recap, uh, you know, part one of Mary, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the birth of Jesus is announced. This is, of course, a very good announcement, the best announcement, in fact, but it is preceded by an announcement that's a lot more problematic. Mary is a young Jewish girl. She's engaged to Joseph, and she is visited by an angel who says, you are going to conceive the Son of God. This will happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, and Mary says yes to this. And, and of course, we know it's a blessing. Like We know it is a blessing and an honor to carry the Lord's Messiah. We get why Mary says yes to this, but we would miss her quiet heroism, if we didn't consider what else she is saying yes to by extension. Remember, there's a cost to this yes. Mary's a woman in first century Judea. She doesn't have rights. And Mary's pregnancy is going to happen before her wedding, before her wedding. And, and there's no promise made to her that Joseph is ever going to be let in on the plan by God. She didn't know that when she said yes. There's no guarantee he won't divorce her or have her stoned to death, which was the lawful penalty for adultery at that time. There is a cost to her, yes. And yet, with all of this uncertainty, with all of this kind of hanging in the background, she says, yes, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done to me as you have spoken. And as Jeff concluded two weeks ago, she said yes, because Mary puts her hope in something that is reliable. She puts her hope in the character of God. But this week... We see that not only does Mary say yes, she says yes well. This isn't like a begrudging yes. This isn't like the conversation I have at the end of every day. You know, babe, it's bedtime. I need you to go brush your teeth. Do I have to? Yes, you have to. Fine. And I'm like, Rob, you're a grown man. I need you. <laughs> I'm going to need you to have a better attitude about brushing your teeth, buddy. This isn't, this isn't begrudging yes, right? This is, a, this, is a, this is a yes with courage, with grit, with passion, with artistry. She says yes with a song. And so the announcement goes on. The story continues. Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant under miraculous circumstances. And the angel said, this is going to be the sign. This is how you're going to know that what I said is going to take place. Because I have to imagine that sometimes Mary would wonder to herself, you know, 
Did I dream that? Was that a real, did I, I don't know, guys. I don't know. But then she goes, she visits Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's baby jumps in her womb, and Elizabeth yells out, blessed are you among women. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? It's the sign, right? It's the, it's the supernatural confirmation of what the angel foretold. So now Mary knows this is happening. This is happening. This wasn't a dream. You are going to conceive the Son of God, and Joseph may leave you, your friends may desert you, you might die, but not before you birth the Lord's Messiah. And in that moment, when the promise is confirmed, in that moment with so much uncertainty on the horizon, with so many personal risks, in that moment, what does Mary do? She begins to sing. She said yes, which was brave enough, but then instead of ruminating on her fears about the future and what's gonna happen, Mary sings. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. In the face of of danger and uncertainty, Mary sings a hymn of praise. All of the the paintings and the mosaics of Mary capture her gentleness and her mildness, and of course she was those things too, but she is also one of the bravest people that we see in all of scripture. Because listen, even under ideal circumstances, pregnancy is hard. You know, even even when it's ideal, it still, it costs us something. Uh, My daughter Ember, was the easiest blessing I've ever received. We discontinued birth control, Rob raised one eyebrow at me suggestively, and then I was holding a baby. It all happened (laughs) very, very fast. (laughs) So kids, heed the warning. Uh, Don't have sex till you're 30. But then after after we had Ember, uh, my my health kind of went south. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis about a year after she was born. Um, And because of the precarious state of my health, and also because you you have a baby and then you just spend months of not sleeping and being covered in fluids that don't belong to you, you just kind of aren't ready at first. So we waited a little while um, because we just didn't know. know, We didn't didn't know how my body was going to respond to pregnancy now that I was ill. So we waited. But then a few years ago, uh, when I was about 33, we decided, you know what, we're we're just going to give this a chance again. We're just going to try. We're going to try. We're going to leave the outcomes up to God. And so every month, because it was so effortless with Ember, every month I kind of just expected that I would be pregnant. You know, I'd get to about mid-month and I'd think, you know, I think I might be pregnant. Felt a little nausea. I didn't like the smell of that candle. Had a dream that I gave birth to a Pomeranian. I must be pregnant, you know? And (laughs) as soon as I would become convinced of it, I would completely freak out. (laughs) And I'd be like, Rob, you know, I don't know, I'm ready for this. Like we, I don't know if we're good parents. I am, to quote Abraham, well along in years. You know, we're always, Ember's still kind of the bully of her daycare. I'm just not sure what were we thinking. Oh my gosh. And then I'd send that text message and wonder if I should have saved it for an in-person conversation. So every month, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd think that maybe I was pregnant, and every month I'd see that minus sign, and I would just burst into tears, even though hours earlier I was freaking out about the possibility. And, and poor Rob, who was just, like, clinging to the side of my emotional roller coaster for dear life, um, would c- try to comfort me, and he'd say things like, well, you know, 
you weren't sure that you wanted to be pregnant again, so you know maybe this isn't the worst news, right? And I'd be like, why do you hate babies? It's real mixed messages. If any other husbands are in this position, guys, I'm sorry, it is not you. Uh, if you didn't understand us, that makes two of us. Uh, it's like, yes, I, I know I want this, this is what I want, but man, it's gonna be so hard. I want this, but I, I know it's gonna cost me. Mary would have been familiar enough with the teachings of scripture and rooted enough in her Jewish cultural history to, to long for the arrival of Messiah. This is the blessing she would have just always wanted to receive the, the, the king and, 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 and savior of her people, Israel. So I'm not trying to say that this pregnancy wasn't even more of a blessing than any other one. Certainly it was. Certainly there was more offered in this child than any other, but the circumstances under which she was to receive this blessing were no less dangerous or frightening simply because the blessing was so great. She was still just a girl. You know, I think we forget that. She was just, she was a teenage girl just a young, vulnerable girl. She knew this was a blessing, but she also knew that this is gonna cost me. And yet she sings. Why? Why does she sing instead of freak out? Why does she sing instead of worry? So two things that I see in Mary's response that um, at least I needed to be reminded of. First, Mary sings because she has a clear understanding of her own need. So Mary's song, it mimics kind of the traditional form of a Hebrew psalm of praise. Um, the first few verses talk about his, God's uh, graciousness and goodness to her personally, and then the last few verses, his goodness to his people past and future. But in these first three verses, Mary talks about her, uh, uh, his goodness to her personally, and in these first three verses, it's revealed that Mary has a very clear understanding of her own need. She sings, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. So Mary recognizes that she needs a savior. She's about to give birth to the Messiah, but she recognizes that she, she still needs a savior too. She's humble. Mary knows that, you know, it's, it doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter uh, what your credentials are. It doesn't matter what your pedigree. It doesn't matter who your son grows up to be because she's winning that competition, right? <laughs> oh, your son went to the moon. That's nice. My son invented the moon. <laughs> you know, she's winning. And, and Mary's probably the best of us, but she still understands that she needs a savior. She understands her own need. Do we? Do we understand our own need? You know what worry is, at least for me, worry, worry is the outflow of this fundamentally flawed idea that if I could just think of the right thing to do or say, and then do or say it, that I would suddenly have control over situations that I have absolutely no influence over. You know, if I could just change my circumstances, then everything would get better. You know, I think we, we have this idea that, what, that our deepest need, what we really need is, is a change of circumstance. You know, a, a relationship with God, that's great, but, but what I really need is a better job or a better spouse. Some of you have a husband who does not hear a word that you say and, and you feel like I will never be happy until this person starts becoming more empathetic. Some of you have parents who won't stop trying to control the outcomes of your life. 
Some of you have kids who are completely out of control and you think, you know, I could be a better, I could be a kinder, gentler person. I could be a better Christian. I could be the person God wants me to be, the person I want me to be if she would just stop nagging or he would just stop being lazier. They would just stop controlling or she would just understand that well, I work so hard and when I get home, I just want to relax. You believe that what you have is primarily a problem of circumstance. But guys, that is not our deepest need, and, and not because your husband isn't a bad listener. I'm sure he's the worst, you know, and not because your parents aren't controlling and not because your kids aren't tiny little monsters. That may all be completely true, but there are those who in worse circumstances than these would still choose love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, because it's out of the overflow of our heart that our mouth speaks that our mind thinks, that our body acts. And, and sometimes what's in our heart is this toxic idea that if God just changed my circumstances, I would be better. Well, how's that working out for you? Because we've all had seasons, I've had seasons of great blessing, but I was still selfish and I was still prideful and I still defaulted to worry instead of prayer. Guys, our deepest need is not a change of circumstance. It's a change of heart. And the intervention of Jesus Christ on behalf of sinful man is the only thing in the universe that can make an old heart new. We need him. Mary sings these three verses because she knows her own need. She knows not even being the cosmic queen mother exempts her from her need of a savior. So then Mary goes on to sing the remaining six verses. So those first three verses she th sings because she has an understanding of her own need. And she sings the last six verses because Mary has an understanding of God's character. Mary remembers her own history. Her song, her song is dripping with re references to the Old Testament. She sings, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And you can hear the words of Deuteronomy in there. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations. She sings, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones, and you can hear the, the reminiscence of the prophet Ezekiel there. Remove the crown, the lowly will be exalted, and the high brought low. A ruin, a ruin, a ruin, I will make it. She sings, he has helped his servant Israel, and you can hear the words of Isaiah there. But you, Israel, my servant, I will strengthen and help you. Do not be afraid. And the face of danger and uncertainty, Mary sings because she understands the character of the God who has called her to this moment. You understand? This is what we, Jeff talked about this a couple weeks ago. Mary does not isolate her own story. She connects herself to the whole of salvation history, the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are her promises too. When the, when the shepherds come and they tell her what the angels have said about the baby, it says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. And that verb in Greek, to ponder, it means to put into context, to piece it together. Mary has dug into the word of God and now she is putting the pieces together to understand what he is like, what he intends to do. The second half of Mary's song, is it, it's, it's prophetic. It doesn't just talk about what God has already done. It talks about what he still intends to do through her and through her baby boy. She has confidence because she knows him. She has confidence that God will be true to his character, even in the parts of her story that are not yet written. You know why the Bible tells us to remember? 
mean, it's like one of the most repeated scriptures in all of the Bible. And it tells us to remember because when we forget what God has already done, when we forget what he is really like, we get scared. I get scared that my daughter is going to join the child mafia, um, that, you know, my, my spider bite is actually a flesh-eating bacteria, that the worst moments of my life are going to become my new normal. And I lose. We all lose the, the, these minutes and hours of our lives that could be full and sacred. I lose them to the paralysis of fear. And fear might keep you from danger, yes, but, but that's not all that it keeps you from. It keeps you from adventure. It keeps you from purpose. It keeps you from all the risks in life that really are worth taking. There's a poem I love called First Fig by Edna St. Vincent Millay, and it says this. My candle burns at both ends. It will not last the night. But ah, my foes. And oh, my friends, it gives a lovely light. Eventually, we will all burn out. We are all going to be snuffed by time and entropy. And so we play it safe. You know, we, we avoid risks. We, we choose to burn dimly in the hopes that that might stretch our candle out just a, a little bit longer. But listen... Nothing is illuminated by a dim light. Burn brightly. Burn bright, because then at least when you are extinguished, which we're all going to be, you will know in your heart that you have lit the path home for everyone God has given you to love. If we ever want to be people of courage, people who embrace the rigors of life with, with joy and ferocity, if we ever want to stop being so afraid of the future, we must remember who we are and we must remember who God has always been. Why do you think I want you to read the Bible? It's not because I want you to like check a box or something. I am heartlessly practical. I don't care if you check a box. I don't care if you do. I, I want you to understand the story. And you can't do that if you don't read it. I, I want you to understand the story. I want you to understand what God is like over long periods of time with the people that he loves, which includes you. That's why, because if we, if we remember what he's really like, if we remember what he's already done, then we will have the courage to go where God calls us to. And listen, you're, you're going to get it wrong sometimes. Okay, so, so don't use that as some kind of excuse to keep you from moving forward toward what God is calling you to. We're all going to get it wrong sometimes. I was working at Waterford. That's our home campus when I'm not preaching. And uh, this was a few weeks ago. Uh, one of the base camp volunteers, that's our children's ministry, one of the base camp volunteers came out and said, hey, just want to let you know, uh, Ember took her pants off in base camp today, but everything's fine. And then she just left. Like, for me to fill in the narrative on my own. Uh, now, fortunately, another person came out, a staff person um, who shall remain nameless, and he said, uh, so you heard about Ember's pants? And I was like, yeah, what happened? And he said, well, it was my son's fault. And That's not what I want to hear. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, and he told me the story. And um, it was the story is his little buddy uh, had went to the bathroom, couldn't figure out how to get his underpants and his shorts back on. So he just, like, chucks his undies in the garbage and then struggles to get his pants up you know, not quite far enough. So he just walks out with his 
shorts at half mast, um, just waistband around the kneecaps, porky pig style. And, um, and so Ember, being the helpful child that she is, decides, oh, I'm going to show this little boy how to put his pants back on. So what does she do? She drops her denims right in the middle of base camp um, so she can show him how to put his back on. Uh, yeah, she's a good kid. So, um, <laughs> I mean, was her heart in the right place? Yes, of course it was. Her pants absolutely were not. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're all, we're all going to get it wrong. E- even when our heart is in the right place, we're all, we're all going to misinterpret sometimes where and how God calls us. Uh, Mary, Mary got it wrong sometimes. She shows up one time with Jesus' brothers to haul him off because he's talking about something that sounds a little crazy to her. Even Mar- Mary had great faith in the promises of God, and yet even she sometimes misunderstands how God is choosing to fulfill those promises. We're all going to get it wrong sometimes, but we can't be afraid of that. We cannot let that keep us from saying yes well, even when we're afraid of what's being asked, because we don't know who is depending on us to say yes. Where would we be if Mary hadn't? What was true for Mary is still true for us. God is still breaking into this world through ordinary human beings. We are his plan A, and there is no plan B. It's just us. It's just us. We are the ones who will carry the message of his arrival, his advent, to those that he misses most. And I know that that sounds crazy. I know that that sounds crazy, especially when you begin to examine your own need, when I begin to examine my own need and I see my own need and my own flaws and my own cowardice, and it feels like an impossible calling, but that's why we have to remember who God is, who he has always been. We need to ponder it and piece it together like a frightened teenage girl once did, and then maybe you and I too can look at this calling and sing. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for your arrival. We are so grateful that you came for us even when we did not deserve you, that you allowed yourself to be born into our mess and our pain and our shame so that we could better understand who you are and so that you could show us the way home for good. Lord, whatever we are afraid of, help us to remember that we only have one job, which is to get home and to take as many people with us as we possibly can, and that you're going to be helping us do that every step of the way. Lord, thank you not only for rescuing us, but for inviting us into your rescue of the whole world. Help us to understand the urgency of loving the people around us, of showing them who you are, of lighting the way home to the people that you've given us to love. Lord, we're so grateful. Give us courage so that we can say yes to you with a song. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.